0: Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. So this week, I was talking about a fresh start. Uh, we, we, We talked about starting with God's word two weeks ago. When we talked about last week about prayer and fasting and the importance about, of prayer and fasting. If you didn't listen to both of those messages, uh, would you go back and listen to those and just, you, we gotta, when we're starting a brand new year, there's something about getting a right start on things, right? You're starting a race, and what happens if you don't start the race the right way? You don't, you, you gotta go back and start again, and you gotta line up, and it just doesn't start right. Start your year right. There's something about starting the year right. And so start with God's word. Start with prayer and fasting, and there's something about starting right. This week, I usually will do this at the beginning of the year, and I did it this week. I took three days to go away by myself and to pray and to fast, and I, I, I was—I I went away with the Lord, and I had just a really good time with the Lord. But I—I I had a, a rough morning one morning because I got up early in the morning on the very first morning, and and um, and I, I, I stayed in a hotel, and I was. And I was, uh, I got up, and I went to this. I knew there was a Keurig coffee machine right there, and I brought my own pods, you know, because I thought, I'm not going to mess with, you know. I know there's all this experimental coffee roasting and all this stuff out there, and I, that's good. And people go, guess what I roast? And I'm like, uh, you know, I have my few preferences, just a couple of them. And I just So I brought my own pods, you know, just to keep it what I like. So I brought my own pods, and I set them right there, and I thought it's all going to be good. Brought my own water, and I thought it's all, I know what I'm going to have, then I don't have to think about it. So I got up in the morning. And I come over to the coffee room, you know, come over to the Keurig machine, wake up early in the morning ready to start my day and spend some time with the Lord. And I turn that thing on, and I look, and it has a one, two, three Keurig. I mean, how hard can this be? You know, Pastor David knows how to operate a coffee machine. I'm pretty smart, right? One, two, three, operate. I mean, it's pretty simple. So I look, and number one says, press this. The thing pops open, and it says, put in your pod. And I take the thing, put it in the pod. I say, that's easy. Put that thing pop, pops closed, you know, and the thing boom pops up and it says put in your water to the fill line. So I take that thing, you know, it's kind of dark and there's so I flip on the light and make sure I want to see the fill line, put them, put in the fill line, do the fill line, you know, do the thing. Then I uh, wanted to make sure and maybe I filled it too much, you know, I'm kind of, want to make sure it's perfect, you know, and get the fill line. And then I thought, well, did I get the pod? and open the pot and then I got that thing and put the thing closed and then I press brew and then I see this blinking light and it says put in the cup. And I was like, okay, maybe the pod, and, you know, I get in. So I open back up the thing and I'm going back and forth and I just couldn't figure this thing out. The things blinking. And I mean, I must have spent five minutes, six minutes. So I take the thing, the thing's still blinking. And I thought, doggone it, man. I got into a room and the thing's broke. It's broken. It's broken. So I take the thing off the, off the whole sink area. <laughs> Walk it over to another thing. Plug it in. Go through the whole steps. Take the whole thing in. Put this pod. Do the, anyway, long story short, I finally stop and I read it. And I'm sitting down. You know, I just, now I'm, I reverted to praying in the spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit, help me because I need some coffee this morning. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sitting there. I go, just read the instructions. So I go back over and I'm looking at the blinking light. And it says, put the cup in. Right. It says, place cup. I didn't even need the Holy Spirit. I just needed a brain. I needed a brain. So I looked and it says, place cup, right? So I put that, and I look over and I go, oh, I need to put a cup in. And as soon as I put a cup, the sensor, you know, picks it up. And it comes and it starts pouring in coffee. and it, right, I mean, right away. And I'm thinking, you know, and the first thing you kind of look like, is anyone see me? Like, I'm an idiot. I'm around. You know, you see those things. But I'll tell you what's, in, I, I thought that's kind of the way that I got started on my day. The good thing is I got coffee, I felt good, things were right. But you know what I got to thinking is I'm really glad the thing didn't work without me putting my cup in there, Right? Because then it could have been a worse thing, right? Now coffee spilled all over the place, because that's probably how they first made the thing, right? Was a coffee made and then they had to spill up clean up coffee and then I went through this whole other mess. But you know, I got to thinking there's all kind of analogy or all kind of illustrations and things you can have in there that the reality is, right? How many times does God want to fill up your cup and your cup's not in there, right? I was thinking of all these things where we're like, God, fill up my cup and we're not available. And we're like, God, do something and my cup's not in there. And I thought, well, I'm not going to use all those illustrations. I'm just going to say, here's my illustration this morning for that. I had a rough start. <laughs> I just need to sometimes use the instructions and just get started and, uh, and get going. But the reality is I got a cup of coffee. I got to pray. I got to hear the Lord. And I'm telling you, I know that 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 2023, God has some amazing things in store for our church for 2023. Amen. I mean, spiritual things. There's some things that the Lord has territory there's some things, I mean, I am just, oh, I'm, I could not be more encouraged. I mean, more than any year, I know, we've, I know this is only our fourth year, you know, four and a half years right now we're in, but I'm, I just could not be more encouraged by this year. God has some amazing things. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. It's going to be an awesome, 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 awesome year. But make sure that when you start, you start the right way. Today, I want to start with something that we all have, something that every one of us have, and I don't know if you know that you have, but every one of us have this, and you need to start with it this year. It's something that you have, it's you have, listen, it's something that some people call purpose. It's some people that some, something that some people called leadership or it's something that some people will call influence. It's something I know the Lord put on my heart this morning that says that we need to at the beginning of this year, every single one of us have this in our life and it's something that right at the beginning of the year, it's important that you and I start with and focus on this because God has given it to you for a purpose for us to steward for himself. You might say, uh, but I don't have any leader. I don't, I don't have any influence. I don't have any leadership. Uh, you might have heard the, uh, the saying before. John Maxwell had said this. Let me, I always have a rough time getting this on at first. Let's see. John Maxwell said this. Leadership is influence. How's that, Nate? Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, that always encourages people who think I don't have any leadership. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't really have anything. I have influence. Every one of you have influence with somebody. Amen. You have influence with a family member. You have influence with a kid. You have influence with your brother, your sister. You have influence with somebody in your life. And therefore, you have responsibility and you have leadership in that area. Now, others over assess their leadership. And so, here's a quote by John Maxwell for you If you think you're leading, but no one's following, then you're only taking a walk. <laughs> If you think you're leading, you're, oh, I'm a leader. Well, who's following you? Uh, nobody. <laughs> you know, there, there is something about leadership that you, you have to be realistic about. Every one of us have influence, and every one of us have leadership in our life. Leadership is influence, and we all have it to some degree in our lives. There are things in life that you are responsible for. And there are things in life that you're not responsible for. And every one of us are responsible for the influence and for the leadership that God has entrusted us with. Our focus should be on the things that God has entrusted us with, not on the things God has not entrusted us with. Too much of the time we're preoccupied with things that other people have and not on things that we have. Too much of the time we're preoccupied on what God's entrusted other people with and not on things that God's entrusted us with. Uh, The the, uh, leadership is influence and there's things that we need to be responsible for and things we don't need to be responsible for. In the book of John chapter 3, it says this, John's disciples came to him one day. Remember, John was the cousin of Jesus, and, and he was the forerunner of Jesus. He's really the one who got started in his ministry before we saw Jesus' ministry blow up, right? Okay, but he knew that his role, and his role was really to kind of be the springboard of Jesus' ministry. It says, John's disciples came to him, because John's disciples was like, they were, things were going really well in his ministry. Came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Who is talking about? Talking about Jesus. He said, notice this, and everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. <laughs> Could you imagine that? That the disciples are going, everybody's going to Jesus. They're not going to us anymore. What's going on? You know, doesn't that sound like sometimes the church? Somebody, they're going over to that church. They're not going to this church anymore. What's going on? They're, They're a little frustrated. They're going to Jesus. They're not going to us anymore, right? Okay. And it says, John replied, notice this, no one can receive anything unless God gives it. Notice what he said. Just let that soak in for a minute. No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. Somebody look at your neighbor and just tell him, I'm not the Messiah. Yeah. (laughs) Just in case you didn't know it, I'm not the Messiah. He said, I am not the Messiah. Listen, I am only here to prepare the way for him. Listen to this. It is the bridegroom, that's the groom. It is the groom who marries the, the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hears his vows. Sometimes you see uh, movies that are out to where you know the best man who will stand in and the best man starts checking out the, the bride and things like that, and you go, what in the world is that all about? That's, that's inappropriate, right? Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying the best man would never start flirting with the bride. The best man's role is to stand there and be happy for the groom and to be happy for the wedding and to be happy for what's going on. Why? Because he knows his place. His place is to support. So he says, uh, he's glad to stand with him and hear his vows. He says, therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. What is he saying? I know my role. I know my lane. I know my role. He says, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. I want you to notice what John knew. Humility. We might look at that and say, "Humility." Well, humility is just knowing your lane. Yeah. Humility is just knowing your place. Humility is just knowing where God called you and where God didn't call you. Yeah. It's not only knowing where God called you; it's where, knowing God where, where God didn't call you as well, and knowing where God called someone else, yeah. right? But I want you to look at this. No one can receive unless God gives it. No one can receive unless God gi- gives it. David, could you come up here for just a moment? Come up here just for a moment. So no one can receive unless God gives it, okay? I have this water bottle. Now, I didn't ask you, uh, uh, pre-ask you this. I'm just ca- putting you on the spot. Thanks for coming up here. Okay, by the way. But if I say, uh, if I say hey, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna hand you this water bottle. I'm gonna give it to you, right? And here, I'm handing you this water bottle, right? You're receiving it, and I'm letting it go, and I'm giving it to you, right? Was that easy to do? Okay. Now, if you want this water bottle, you can tell he's thirsty. <laughs> you can tell he's thirsty, right? Does this look good? That looks good. You can tell he's thirsty, and he really wants this water bottle, right? Right? But, but uh, so you want it so bad, right? Try to take it. Try to take it. Try to. Take it. So, see. How hard is it? See, he can't get it. Why? Because I didn't give it to him. Come on. Right? Get, get off my water bottle. <laughs> my water. See, I'm just kidding with you, man. I'm just kidding. But, but, but look how easy it is. No one can. Now, no, no, let me ask you. No, no, try to take it again. He's, but say he's really. Th- say, let me ask you a question. Did he receive it or take it? So let me ask you. Just because he got it. Did that mean he received it? Talk about it, them, talk about it. No. See, sometimes we can take things, but we can't receive them unless they're given. Jesus. Thank you, thank you. You know, that, that's sometimes, we don't, the point is not to get things from God. Yeah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Because I don't know about you, there's things in my life that I've taken, and afterwards, I was conflicted on the inside because I knew it was done prematurely. Maybe I took it a little bit early. Maybe there was, some, there was something of a reward of waiting. Maybe there was something that I was supposed to be patient, faith and patience. Maybe there was something that, that someone else was supposed to get out of the whole transaction and the whole thing. And I, I, wasn't, I didn't have enough faith in the whole thing, so I felt like I better get mine or else I'm not going to get some. And so I took it and I got what I wanted, but I didn't receive it from the Lord. And so there wasn't a blessing upon it. Do you understand what I mean? Notice what he says here. No one can receive. There's a difference between receiving from the Lord and taking from the Lord. And John the Baptist knew the difference. No one can receive unless it's been given to him. We're talking about influence. Influence, leadership, Something the Lord's given you is something only God can grace you with. It's something only God can place upon you. It's only something that God can can bestow on your life. You can't earn it. You can't make it happen. You can't grasp for it. That's something that only God can give. Now, there are two circles that uh, Dr. Stephen Covey years ago in the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. There was two circles, and they're concentric circles. Concentric just meaning that they share a center point right in the middle, okay? And the two circles would be called a a circle of influence and a circle of uh, concern. A circle of influence would be what would be the white circle here, and a circle of concern would be the circle that's out here. The circle of influence is the circle of things we can influence and we can control, Okay, that we have influence over. These would be things like our attitude, our behavior, things we read, how we respond, things we spend our time with, things we, we post on social media, things we don't, right? That would be things that we have decisions in doing, right? Okay. Then there would be uh, the, the, the circle, of, uh, circle of concern. These would be the other things that we don't have control over. That would be the weather it would be the, uh, the socioeconomics, the systems of how our economy is doing, the political system that's out there. It would be the news, coronavirus. It would be um, um, social media feeds, all the things that you read and all the things that are out there. And people can get so stressed about things that they have no control over in their lives, right? So there's this circle which is the circle that we can influence and control. Some things we can control, some things we can't, but we, at least we can have influence in. And then there's this other circle outside of these two things. These are the two circles. Now, there's this other part of it is this. People that are reactive are people that focus on the circle of concern. Okay, That's people over here that they focus on things that they really don't have control over. And they're constantly thinking about other people. What about this? And how about them? And how about this? And how about this? And because they're focusing on that, they're taking their attention off of the influence that they have and that the Lord's really given them. And so because they do, their influence diminishes. And they end up having, they they have a diminished influence, diminished leadership, and really a diminished capacity, diminished voice with other people because their whole life is focused on what other people think and what other people this, and they're overwhelmed, and they're reactive people all the time. Anyone know anybody like that? Don't nudge them. Don't nudge yourself if you're one of those people, right? Okay. But then there's what's called proactive people. Proactive people that spend the majority of their time focused on only things of their circle of influence. That's things that you can influence, things you can control. I can't control the weather, but I can control, you know, what goes on inside of me and my reaction to the weather, right? Right? I can't control what other people post, but I can control what I post. I can't control the news, but I can control what news I put out there, right? My reaction to it, right? Uh, What they do is as they begin to focus on their influence and their leadership, it begins to grow, and their trust begins to expand. Jesus said, "If you're faithful in what's little, you'll be faithful in what's much." And if people begin to entrust them in those things, it's just a principle of things uh, that happen. It's, it's the two circles. It's the circle of uh, circle of uh, influence and the circle of um and, and the circle of concern. The two circles that people will live within now. Um, This year, it's important, I believe, for us to focus on our circle of influence. It's important for us to focus on the things and the people that are right in front of us rather than to focus on the things that we have no concern over. Well, what are we gonna do about that? Well, what can you do about that other than pray for it? But what we should be focused on are the things that God you to focus on, focused on reading and praying and loving people and caring about people. Well, I don't know what big of a difference that's going to be. There was another quote that I read uh, not too long ago. So what is your circle of influence, right? Let me let me just, uh, I listed a few of these. Well, who's in your household? Come on. Who's in your household? Uh-huh. Right? Um, this year, your family members, person at the grocery store right? The person when you're pumping gas, your co-workers. And it's almost as if, well, they don't matter. You know, what really matters is these things. No, what matters is everyone you come into contact with is your circle of influence. How do you treat them? How do you care about them? How do you love them? That really is our circle of influence. That really is who God has put in our ministry category and taken care of for us to take care of. Mother Teresa said, if you cannot feed 100 people, then feed just one. If you cannot feed 100 people, then feed just one. Feed the person that's right in front of you. Before Jesus left his disciples, what did he say? He said this, a new commandment. This is one of the last things he said. A new commandment I give to you that you, read this with me, love one another, as I have loved you, that you also, read it with me, love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, love for one another. I want you to notice that uh, Jesus' measurement of discipleship was not knowledge, it was love. Jesus' Measurement for discipleship was not how much, well, they could prophesy. It was not how spiritual they were. It was how much they love. And the better they were at loving, the better they were at disciples. You know, you may have heard me say this, but my dad went on to be with the Lord over 10 years ago. He has three boys. I'm the youngest of, of I have two brothers. One lives in California, one lives in North Carolina. But my dad would always say, we grew up a really tight family. And my dad uh, would always say to my brothers, to me and my brothers as we began to spread out, he would say, hey, uh, did, did you call one another? Did you encourage one another? Did you, did you, uh, did, did you call and say, see how they're doing? And I'd always say to my dad, dad, I'm the youngest, you know, I'm... Six years younger than one of my brothers, and I'm eight years younger than the other brother. Like, come on. They should call me, right? And he'd always say, knock that off. Stop that. Stop that. You're their brother. Encourage them. Love them. See, the the father had something, almost an obligation to make sure that I loved my brothers. That was part of my family. Encourage my brothers. And I'd say, well, they don't call me. In fact, Dad, I text them and they don't even call me back. Yeah. Like I have a right to not call. And i tell them, my dad said, knock that off. Right. They're probably just busy. Right. He need some encouragement. They need to hear your voice. There's nothing like the voice of a brother. Amen. You could almost hear it as if, and I'm not he never said this to me, as if he wished his brothers had called him. Yeah. That's right. You could almost hear it as if he'd, he, as if he, he'd wish that would happen to him. What did he say? He said, you need to call your brothers. You know, my dad had gone on to be with the Lord, I think it's 13 years ago now. And I could still, just the other day, I could hear my dad's voice. In, just in my head, not, not in my spirit, by the way. Someone, you're talking to your dad. Still no, I'm not talking to my dad. Just in my, in my head, I could almost hear my dad's voice just saying, have you called your brother? And you know what I did? I reached out to my brother. I sent him a really nice message, encouraged him. my brother sent back and said, hey, I really needed to hear that today. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when I look at Jesus, Jesus' words here, because by the way, they're words to his disciples, but we're his disciples. They're words to us. Listen, he says, a new commandment I give you that if you love, you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples. He says, the way you're going to smell like me and be like me and talk like me and act like me is that you love one another. I can almost hear my, like my dad's words in that to say, call them, love them, text them. Yeah, but they were rude to me last time. That's reactionary. That's reactionary. I can't do anything about what they did. That's outer circle. Inner circle is what I can do. I can't focus on what they do, but I can focus on what I can do. And if I'll focus on what I can do, what will happen is eventually Jesus' love will begin to pour out. Hebrews chapter 10, I know that we always go right to verse 25 that says, hey, we need to come to church. We need to gather together. But I want to remind you what verse 24 says. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. I'm talking about, I'm talking about us. Listen, the point is not to come to church. The point's to motivate one another. When you, it's, not a, it's not just to warm a seat, warm the wood in the pew. The point's to come and look around and see who might be having a hard day and encourage somebody. See who might need prayer, say who might need a hug. See who might be going through stuff. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together. In other words, if you don't come together for yourself, come together for someone else. Someone else needs your hug. Someone else needs your love. I don't feel like coming this morning. Someone else needs your smile. Someone else needs your encouragement this morning. Amen. As some people do, he says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's important that we encourage one another. How many times have you walked in church and you've walked in and you've walked out much more encouraged than you've walked in? Yeah, so many more times. And sometimes it's been because you've been able to encourage somebody else and you walk out even more encouraged than you were before. Start with the people right in front of you. Let me tell you, when you wake up in the morning, don't eat the people you live with for lunch. Don't treat them like crud and then go out and love other people. You better love the people that's closest to you the best. Why? They're your test experiment. If you want to know if you're a disciple of Jesus, you should be able to ask the people that are closest to you, that live, that sleep next to you, that live next to you, and say, how do you act when no one sees you? That's who you really are. I don't like you. (laughs) You might say, I don't like you. I like you. (laughs) Who's in your church family? That's who we're supposed to love. Who do you go to school with? Who do you work with? Who's in your circle of influence? Stir them up. Let me ask you this. Are you called to minister to others? I know that there's a number of people in this church that God has called you to ministry. I believe God's called everybody to ministry, but God has a special calling of ministry to your life. Look at this scripture in 1 Peter 5. It says, shepherd. What is a shepherd? A shepherd is just someone who looks out for sheep. Someone who looks out for others, looks out for danger. You may be a shepherd of a very small flock, but you're looking out for other people. Notice this. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Notice this. Which is among you. I know that there's, I know a lot of pastors And every once in a while, pastors will get discouraged and they start looking over their sheep and wonder why other sheep aren't coming to their church. I've been there. I understand. I understand where they're coming from. And I've gone to the Lord about it. And you know what the Lord's told me every time, not half the time, every time? He said this, shepherd the flock of God who is among you. If I'd have called you to shepherd them, I'd bring them here. In fact, the reason I don't bring them here is because you're not shepherding the ones here. (laughs) Shepherd the flock of God, look at which is among you. You're only responsible for the people that you have. If you have a household full of people, if you have a room full of people, if you have a work full of people, if you have people that are around you, that's the people you're responsible to shepherd and love and care for. And back off the enemy right. Right. when you see a wolf coming. And they my responsibility. They are if you have influence with them. Come on. Come on. Talk about it well, that's their decisions. No, it's their decisions, but you have spiritual precedent that you, you should be able to pray for them. I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is using, focusing on your circle, your influence. Yes, Not absolving yourself and just saying, it's just all about me. No, it's all about you and your influence. Amen. Listen, not by compulsion but willingly, not by dishonest gain, but not by lords of over those entrusted in you, but being uh, examples to the flock. Examples to the flock. Examples to the flock. Look at this. It says in uh, Psalm 78. Give you a couple more. It says that David, God, God chose David, King David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. (laughs) Boy, he didn't climb the ladder. He didn't really climb the ladder, did he? He went from taking care of sheep to leading the nation of Israel, really. The premier, the premier people, God's people. He said he took him from tending the sheep and he brought him to be the shepherd of the people of God. Do you know where uh, David's test field was? Sheep. It would be like us saying, God looks to see how you take care of your dog. God watches how you take care of your dog to see how you're going to take care of your staff. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, someone goes, uh oh. <laughs> I just kicked my dog this morning. No. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Your test field on the next season is this season. Yeah. Yeah. The key to next season is this season. That's right. The key to. Next what God gives you and how much God gives you and how much God trusts you with in the next season is how faithful you're being with the influence he's given you this season. Some of you wouldn't want more. Right. With that statement, Amen. you'd go, oh, I got some work to do. In fact, maybe I should go back a season, right? Look at that. He chose him, right? God, his test was on these sheep. God sees how we respond in this season. I remember when I was uh, in my early 20s, and I was uh, going to school full-time, was going to Bible college full-time, and I was working on staff part, I was working full-time, but I was getting paid part-time, working a lot of hours on staff, and um and I, was, uh, and I was working as a waiter at a restaurant for 30, 35 hours as well. Probably between all of it, I was probably working or going to school over 100, 105 hours probably a week. I mean, I was just all the time going. I had no social time. Constantly going. Someone says, well, that's not balanced. That's unhealthy. Yeah, but when I went and prayed about it, that's what the Lord wanted me to do. That's right. yeah. Amen. So it was balanced to God. I went to the Lord about it, and the Lord said, I'm, uh, I'm stretching your capacity because later on you're going to need it. Amen. Come on. Amen. And many, many years in ministry, I've had to have a stretched capacity and had to run at a, a very high level for years and years and years and years of ministry, and without that, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And so the Lord did it. But I remember one time I was... Uh, uh, I was waitering at a, I was a food server at Marie Callender's in Montebello, California. And I loved being a food server because I had to be with people. I love people. But I remember uh, it was right after church. I had played for a Saturday morning prayer. We were leading worship at a Saturday morning prayer. And then we had Saturday night service that night. And then, uh, and then we had Sunday morning service. We had three services. Right after service, I went in the back room, the office, put on my apron, got all dressed, and went right in, went right to work and worked until 11 o'clock that night. And I remember I was, it was afternoon. I was really tired. I had to be in class at 7.30 the next morning. And I was just exhausted. I was really tired. And it was in the afternoon and I remember I was standing there and I was waiting for some food at a counter and I was doing everything I knew to do, okay, I was doing everything I knew to do. And I remember I was walking some food out and as I was walking out, I hit this point of exhaustion or really it wasn't really exhaustion like, 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 like breakdown, it was discouragement. I was discouraged because I didn't think the Lord saw what I was going through, where I, where I was going through. And I remember the Lord as I had some food and I was just about to step down and I had this tray of food and I was stepping down and the Lord spoke these words to me. He said, David, I know where you work. (laughs) I'm a softy, okay? So I I start tearing up. You know, I have a tray of food in my, he said, I know where you work. He said, I know where you live. I know what you're doing. And I knew exactly what he was saying. You know how sometimes the Lord speaks to you, and you know exactly what he's talking about? Yes. The, Lord me, the Lord in my mind brought me back to these shepherd's fields. that yes. it reminded me that when Samuel was looking for a king, Come on. God had already provided a king. Yes. And the father didn't even present the best choices. Yes. He presented all of his sons, and he put the scrappy one left him in the field and even after the father ran out of choices, God told Samuel, nope, still not the one. And God said, isn't there any more? And God reminded me, I, kn- I know where you work. I know where you are. And the Lord said, when I need you, I'll call you. Amen. Come on. I'd like to say that afternoon, I got a ring and it was like everything ended. No, it was months later. <laughs> but I'll tell you, just put some encouragement in my heart to say, hang on. The Lord knows where you are, and sometimes the Lord's testing you where you are to see how you'll do in the famine, to see how you'll do in the tough seasons, to see how you'll do when you don't get a pat on the back, when you don't get affirmation, when you don't get a good job, when you don't get the big paycheck, when you don't get the promotion, but yet on the inside, you're going through the wilderness you ever get nervous about the socioeconomic status? I want to share with you. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up here, but I want to catch these couple more points here. Listen to this. The socioeconomic status. Listen to this. Psalm 37 says this. Trust in the Lord and, and, and do good. Listen. Dwell in the land. I know this is a scripture for somebody this morning. Dwell in the land. You know what it means? Stay put. Come on. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Lord, what am I supposed to do? Stay put. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Don't run. Don't hide. Feed on his faithfulness. Live in your circle of influence. Don't try to focus on what you can't do, where you're not. Listen, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I want to remind you of a story last week. Uh, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, I want to remind you of a story that we read last week about uh, about uh, this guy Isaac, Isaac Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac was dealing with a famine in the land. You know what a famine is? It means they, they literally they had food supply, and they were running out. It says there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistine in Gerar. Gerar was on the road to Egypt, so you know what he was doing. Isaac was about to take off. He was like, I'm out of here. There's famine going on, okay? Isaac was on his way out of there. It says, then the Lord appeared to him on his way. You ever like hit famine and you're like, I'm out of here. I'm about to run. I'm gonna go find my own supply, okay? So he was out of there. The Lord appeared to him and said, listen, do not go down to Egypt, but live in the land. Isn't that what we just read in that other? Live in the land of which I shall tell you Dwell in this land. What did he say? Stay put. But Lord, there's famine. I said, Stay put. Yeah, but there's recession. I said, Stay put. Come on. See, you just got to be where God told you to be. Yes. Amen. He says, Dwell in this land, listen, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your descendants I give all these lands and will perform the oath of which I swore to your father Abraham now I want you to notice he had a choice to make his choice could have been a couple things it could have been just to say I don't know if that was God or not I'm going to go and if it was God I'll come back right it could have been that I'll stay but I'm just going to hang on and kind of keep my things packed but kind of just wait on the Lord I'm just going to wait on the Lord and just kind of wait but I'm not going to really settle and and let, let go but I'll tell you what he did it says, then Isaac sowed in that land. Listen, he didn't just stay put. He started sowing seed. He started putting down roots. He started going for it. I, listen, listen to what I'm saying. He didn't just stay in the land. He started sowing seed in the land. I said he didn't just stay in the land. He started sowing seed in the land. And, and it says, Isaac sowed seed in that land and reaped in the same land. Year. See, the, the the Lord doesn't mince words when he's saying that. I think there's a reason he said in the same year. Because in this it was the same year as what? It was the same year as what? I think he was saying he sowed seed in the year of famine and he reaped in the same year of famine. God wanted to make sure you knew that. Listen, and and, and he he sowed, and notice what he said, he sowed in that land. Just in case you thought, well, maybe he sowed over in a foreign land. No, he sowed in, in the famine land, and, and he sowed in the famine year, and he reaped in, in that same year. <laughs> what is it saying? It's not just, I'm going to sow for the future. No, he, he sowed in that land in that year and reaped in that year a little bit. How much? A hundredfold. Somebody, somebody shout a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Listen, and the Lord blessed him. Now you think, oh, that's enough. Somebody, That's something to shout about. But look at the next verse. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper. What do you mean began to prosper? Are uh, you talking, that's already prosperity. The, the, the man began to prosper and continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. Yes. For he had great possessions of flocks, You you know, I think they put that verse in because there's some spiritual person that says, well, that's spiritual blessing, brother. (laughs) Spiritual blessing. Baloney. He had spiritual blessing too. Listen, he had had possessions of flocks and herds and servants, so the Philistines envied him. The Philistines envied him. Notice, he became very, 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 very prosperous. Where? In the land. But what did he have to do first? He had to sow in that land. He had to stay in that land. And what did he have to do? He had to sow in that land. Not just, well, I guess I'll just stay. Because sometimes what we do with the Lord is, well, I guess I'll just be obedient. I guess, okay, here I am. I'm obedient. No, that's not obedient. That's compliant. That's compliant. That's compliant. That's not obedient. Obedient is jumping in and sowing and doing it as if, you know what? Treat that ministry as if it's your ministry. Treat it as if it's your own. Treat that land as if it's your own land. Treat that land as if it's your promised land. Treat it as if it's your possession. Treat it as if it's what God's called you to do. And why? What is it? It's faith. That is your, why? It's your circle of influence. It's, it's not talking about focusing on something else. In fact, your circle of concern is the next season. Your circle of concern is the next season. And sometimes we're waiting on the next season when God's called us to do something right now. I want you to do this. As we close, open your hands right now for the Lord. You're not responsible for anything God hasn't called you to. (laughs) You're not responsible for anything God is not calling you to. But you are responsible for everything God's calling you to. Would you say this to the Lord? Say, Lord Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life. Speak to me today. Show me what you want me to do this year. Show me me where you want me to be. Show me what you want me to say. Show me who you want me to minister to. I like to just do this on a daily basis, but I want us to do it right now. Say, Lord, I present to you my hands today to work righteousness. Say, Lord, I present to you my eyes today. Just put your hands over your eyes Say, God, I want to see your vision. I want to see your plans. I lift up my eyes and see the plans of God. Lord, I present to you my ears today to hear the voice of the Lord. Not only my physical ears, but my spiritual ears to hear what you're saying to me today. God, I present to you my mind today. I have the mind of Christ I renew my mind to the Word of God, to think the thoughts of God in alignment with the thoughts of God and the plan of God. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Say this I am the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> my righteousness is not from me. I'm forgiven from all of my sins because of the blood of Jesus. There's no condemnation that's going to hold me back this year. (laughs) Say, Lord, I give to you my feet to walk where you want me to walk. I'm going to walk out the plan of God. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll go into places that you want me to go. And I'll stay away from places you don't want me to go. I put on the belt of truth. Keep me away from deception this year. Keep me away from the lies of the enemy this year. And God, I put the word of God in my mouth. Just say this I speak the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And I thank you for your plans. I focus on the circle of influence that you have given to me the leadership that you've given to me this year now say this, Lord I cast all of my care over on you I cast all of my concern over on you anything that I don't have control over I give it over to you things that I've been concerned about come on just do it right now if you have something specific Say, things that I'm, I, I've been concerned about, I cast it over on you. Things that I've been worried about, I give it over to you. Things that I've been troubled about, anxious about, anxious thoughts, I give them over to you. Things that I've been staying up at night about, I give them over to you to right now in Jesus' name. And God, I focus on the things you've called me to. And I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it